everyone, and thank you all for joining us for our webinar today. My name is Stephanie Baskerville. I am the content writer here at ProServe IT, and I'm going to be your webinar co-host today. I'd like to welcome you to this webinar entitled Remote Working 103, Windows Virtual Desktop Makes Remote Working Easier. Um, we've got a lot of great content for you today, and it is my privilege to uh, introduce the person that's going to take us through it all. Um, Bill Kastner is one of ProServe IT's amazing solutions architects specializing in Microsoft Azure. As Bill explains, Azure is like the Swiss army knife of tool sets and products, and Bill enjoys the opportunity to provide customer education on the versatility and diversity of this um, wonderful tool. So welcome, Bill, and it's a, a pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks, Stephanie. Great to be here. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome, of course. Before we get started, folks, um, I'd just like to point out to you that if you have a question or two uh, throughout this webinar, you can feel free to use that questions tab on the GoToWebinar platform. Um, I'm going to be monitoring that window kind of throughout Bill's presentation and, um, you know, more than happy to read those questions as they come in and get those questions answered for you. So please don't be shy. Feel free to use that uh, that tab anytime you'd like and, and ask as many questions as you, as you need to. Um, so, you know, in terms of, of remote working, you know, we understand that the global workforce landscape is, is changing quite a bit, uh, almost hourly, it seems. And it, many organizations are making that decision or being told to make the decision um, to move to remote working for the foreseeable future. So in today's webinar, um, we want to introduce a potential way for you to get your organization switched over to remote working without sacrificing that productivity, connectivity, or collaboration um, among those team members who are suddenly finding themselves working from home. And, you know, therefore, we're, we're kind of going to talk a lot about um, Windows Virtual Desktop in greater detail, including sort of benefits and use cases as it pertains to helping your employees get up and running remotely during this sort of unprecedented time. Um, so for this, I mean, you know, I'm clearly not the expert in this at all. So I'm going to pass things over to Bill and uh, let him guide us through sort of an introduction to Windows Virtual Desktop. And I think, Bill, you've probably got um, the agenda on the next slide there as well. So maybe you can uh, introduce our topic and introduce yourself and uh, take it away. You bet. Thanks, Stephanie. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, so today, as, as Stephanie mentioned, we're going to talk about Windows Virtual Desktop. Um, we've gone through a little bit of an introduction. Uh, already, we're going to talk about what Windows Virtual Desktop is, uh, talk to the benefits of Windows Virtual Desktop, and then follow that with next steps and then some Q&A. So when we talk about desktop virtualization, um, historically, it's really been there to address a number of specific business needs. Um, so for those uh, business organizations who either face you know, regulatory requirements or have strong security uh, requirements necessary due to the nature of their business, uh, VDI has always been a, a great uh, opportunity there as it provides a consistent end user experience um, and is typically an easier solution to maintain across you know, a disparate uh, user population. Similarly, for those who have an elastic workforce um, who might, you know, maybe your, your business ebbs and flows um, and it's, it can be a challenge to maintain the number of desktops required for, for any given staff, especially if there's large fluctuations due to seasonality or just sort of the nature of the business. Uh, for those who have highly mobile users, but you know, IT still wants to be able to provide a consistent desktop experience, uh, regardless of where that user is or what device that user might be working from, uh, VDI is a great example there. And then also we have specialized workloads. Um, so for those who have you know, specific use cases, uh, user types who require specific applications 
or specific configurations of applications. Uh, VDI can often be a good example or a good uh, solution to address some of those challenges. Um, and I will apologize, so I'm already using acronyms. So VDI is Virtual Desktop Infrastructure. Um, virtual Desktop Infrastructure, or VDI, and Desktop, virtuali desktop Virtualization are usually interchangeable. Um, I may commonly use VDI versus the others, but I just want to make sure everybody's sort of clear on what we're talking about here. <laughs> so in the past, when we've talked about uh, VDI or, or virtual desktops, there's really been two solution solutions available to us, both with pros and cons. Uh, the first would be our Windows Server desktop experience. And this is probably what's, what most people have, have commonly seen in the past. This would be remote uh, desktop services or terminal services from, from Microsoft. Um, the benefit of, of this server desktop experience is it does allow for um, scalability and, and multi-session scenarios. So, you know, you have the ability to stand up a single, you know, remote desktop server or RDS server. You can load up multiple users depending on what workloads they require. Um, it provides an easy way to provide uh, remote desktop services to a broad number of users, but there are some limitations. First and foremost being that it is still a server-based operating system, not your traditional client-based operating system. And while there's a lot of commonality between look and feel, uh, you don't have all the same functionality on the server side you would on the desktop. So users, when they log into a remote desktop session, while it's a familiar experience and they have all the same applications, they don't necessarily have all that same functionality that they would. Um, it does support, as I mentioned, multi-session. It supports 32-bit applications. Um, typically, you're, when you're loading Office onto an RDS server or remote desktop server, uh, you're leveraging the, the perpetual licensing. And the server sit, typically sits in a long-term servicing channel. If we flip over to, to uh, the, the client side, so this would be a solution similar to Zen Desktop or um, VMware Horizon. Um, but this is providing a single uh, client desktop experience on a per user basis. So often this gets configured in a one-to-one -one scenario. Um, you don't have the ability to load multiple users on a given workstation. Each Windows 10 workstation you bring up is going to service a single user. And this can often require you to build out a much larger um, desktop pool than might be easily supported on, on you know, traditional hardware, depending on the size of the organization and the challenges. But by running that desktop operating system, we do have some benefits, uh, specifically being not only do we support Win32 apps, but we also su uh, support uh, UWP. We are able to leverage Office 365 Pro Plus and, and all the associated benefits with that. And again, being a, a Windows client-based OS versus server, historically it's sort of been a, a more frequent update um, channel as well. So one of the things that Windows uh, Virtual Desktop or WVD has introduced is sort of the, a hybrid or best of both worlds, and that's Windows 10 Enterprise multi-session uh, scenarios. So basically you have the same scalability that you would have with remote desktop services with that server-based OS, but you're adding all of the benefit of the client uh, elements of, of the Windows 10 experience as well. So we're able to provide everybody with a full-blown Windows 10 desktop, uh, which gives them the, that modern uh, Windows user experience, we're able to support multiple Windows 10 sessions on a given Windows 10 VM. Uh, we are able to take advantage of both Win32 and UWP-based apps. We're able to take advantage of Office Pro Plus, um, and again, that accelerated um, semi-annual annual channel as well. Um, also, because it's a client operating system, we're able to take advantage of all the Windows 10 enterprise security features, which is a huge benefit as well. So when we talk about Windows uh, Virtual Desktop or uh, WVD benefits, um, like I said, there's a couple of key ones to, to point out. So one, as mentioned, 
with WBD, we do have the ability to support either single or multi-session Windows 10 experiences uh, optimized for Office 365 Pro Plus. We actually have images that have the, the Pro Plus uh, elements baked in. We do still support Windows Server uh, 2012 R2 or newer. So as I mentioned, you know, we have the added benefits of Windows 10 multi-session, but we still have the ability to run legacy environments like remote desktop services or those Windows 10 uh, single instance sessions as well. So we can support all three of those scenarios in Windows Virtual Desktop. This solution provides a ton of flexibility um, as it does allow you to virtualize both desktops and apps. Um, so depending on what that use case is, whether you're working from a traditional PC, whether you're working from, you know, iPad or um, Android phone, you know, depending on, on the uh, resolution you're working with and, and the applications you require access to, it's great to have that flexibility of either doing desktops or apps on a per user basis. And then we also have the ability to integrate with the security management of Microsoft 365. So again, because we're in a Windows 10 enterprise platform, we can take advantage of all those benefits as well as all the ones that are inherently native to Microsoft 365. When we talk about optimizations for Office Pro Plus, uh, a couple key things to, to point out. One being that Office 365 Pro Plus, which for those who might not be familiar, is the client software of Office 365. So basically Pro Plus is your same Outlook, Word, PowerPoint, Excel, Teams, all those different products, uh, but it's basically being purchased through the Office 365 subscription. But it has been designed um, to work in this multi-user scenario. Um, so some of the challenges we've seen in the past is loading up multiple instances of Office on a given, you know, like an RDS server, a remote desktop server, um, you start to face some some performance challenges as you load up additional users. Pro Plus has been designed with this Windows 10 multi-session methodology in mind and has been designed to ensure that each of the users that are stationed on a, a given workstation um, have a, a, a positive end user experience and, and a good performance from the client, such as Outlook and OneDrive for Business. We also have the ability to leverage profile containers, uh, which will enable faster uh, and, and better performing experiences for non-persistent environments. And we're going to dig into that a little bit deeper because this is one of the key differentiators, I think, that Windows uh, Virtual Desktops provides over some of our traditional VDI solutions that we've seen in the past. Um, as mentioned, so RDS is a supported component of Windows Virtual Desktop. So should you happen to be running um, you know, RDS today uh, based off of Server 2012 or, or newer, there is a migration plan to actually take those services and migrate that to uh, to Windows Virtual Desktop. Um, so you can still con con continue to support the same services that you have today. The benefit of hosting on an Azure obviously being much more scalability, um, you know, potentially better connectivity, um, and it just gives you a little more flexibility in how you manage that. Um, for some organizations, this would be sort of an interim or, or, or intermediary step for those organizations that want to transition to the full-blown Windows 10 multi-session experience, but if you've already made investments in, in remote desktop services and want to just start to, to at least get into the Windows uh, virtual desktop space, there is that migration path available to you. And from an app compatibility perspective, we do support uh, existing Windows Server images that have been used on-prem. So again, this allows you to get up and running in a, a much faster process by just sort of lifting and shifting the infrastructure you have on-prem and transitioning that to the cloud. Because this is Azure-based, um, we have the ability to deploy and scale very quickly. Um, so Azure, as, as many of you are likely aware, um, is offered across 140 countries and 54 regions. 
Um, so you're able to provide local services should you have uh, staff who work in remote locations or other countries. Um, because Windows Virtual Desktop is built on top of Azure, you're able to leverage the Azure Management Portal to support this. So again, one of the nice things from an Azure perspective is you know, any of the services or, or new technologies get introduced into Azure, they're just added as additional blades inside the Azure Management Portal, which provides that unified uh, management structure which helps again ease adoption. We also have built-in security and compliance, both from the Windows um, desktop perspective and all the benefit, associated benefits around Azure as well. So one of the key differentiators, I think, from, from leveraging WVD over some of the other solutions is the fact that it is uh, embedded in Azure, powered by Azure. Um, Azure obviously has a number of associated benefits with it, uh, first being that you know, from a productivity standpoint, you know, Azure, one of the great things that Azure brings to the table is the fact that, you know, with Microsoft managing all that core underlying infrastructure, you're typically managing things at the, the user level or the data level itself. All those underlying components are, are typically managed by Microsoft, which makes it really easy to, to spin up new infrastructure, to introduce new, uh, new solutions into your existing environment in a quick and easy fashion. Uh, with reduced administration. Um, so you're able to get productive far faster in an Azure scenario than you would necessarily on-prem. We need to build net new servers from the ground up, you know, either hardware or virtual, and, and manage all the, the components to get to it and then solution. Versus Azure, a lot of that work has been done for you. It's a matter of pointing and clicking and adding that new service to your Azure tenant, um, and then you can quickly adopt that new technology. From a hybrid perspective, so Azure does support uh, hybrid scenarios, so you're able to extend your on-prem data center to the cloud. Um, so there's no requirement to shift your entire infrastructure to Azure to take advantage of a lot of these benefits, including Windows Virtual Desktop. Um, you can continue to run you know, the bulk of your legacy infrastructure on-prem and just leverage Azure where it makes sense in that hybrid scenario. Uh, there is a ton of intelligence behind uh, Azure, and Microsoft has done a really good job of providing guidance and, and tips and recommendations um, on, on how to improve your overall Azure experience and help key cost and control as well. Um, so there's a, a number of, of key elements inside of Azure where, you know, through advisors and, and recommendations and such, you know, they can really help streamline a lot of the deployment opportunities that you may see and help uh, facilitate a lot of the, the challenges that customers typically face when trying to deploy new technologies. Lastly, Azure is a trusted platform. Um, so Microsoft, you know, invest you know, billions of dollars in, in security. They have a, a large workforce that's dedicated to, to security. Microsoft being such a public company, um, they are one of the most uh, attacked organizations across the planet. They're able to drive a ton of insights as to the methods in which organizations get attacked or, or probed and such. They obviously leverage that to support their, their wide range of internal platforms, but they also take those learnings and distill them down to customers as well, and those who rely on Microsoft Cloud technology like Azure and Office 365 and, and EMS and such are able to take advantage of all these uh, security benefits that the Microsoft has learned uh, through their own experience and are able to share with the, the user community. This can really help ensure that customer environments can be often far more secure in Azure than they are on-prem because you're able to take advantage of all of the learnings and all of the technologies uh, that Microsoft makes available to help ensure that it's a trusted and secure platform. Uh, from a high-level architecture perspective, so as mentioned, because this is built on, on Azure, um, there's a couple key benefits associated with that. 
Uh, first and foremost is this is going to leverage your Azure Active Directory Identity Management Services. So for customers who are already using Office 365 today or any other cloud solution from Microsoft that's required you to deploy Azure AD Connect, so you're syncing your on-prem Active Directory users' uh, accounts into, into the cloud, those identities that have been uh, migrated or, or synchronized, rather, are what are actually used to, ash, to leverage Windows Virtual Desktop. So many customers are already having leveraged Office 365 from an end user identity perspective. All those accounts already exist and are immediately available to be used through Windows Virtual Desktop. Azure also provides a virtualization infrastructure as a managed services. So by this, we mean if you look sort of on the right hand side of the page there, you can see, you know, from a managed by Microsoft perspective, um, you know, things like gateways and brokers, load balancing, uh, management, web access consoles, all those pieces that you would typically need to consider as part of a deployment for a remote desktop solution or, or VDI style solution, all of that gets managed by Microsoft, which cuts down on the amount of effort to either stand up that new infrastructure or to continue to manage it on an ongoing basis. Similarly, if you look at the bottom of the screen on the right, you'll see computer origin networking. Again, because this is an Azure-based solution, Microsoft is managing all those underlying uh, elements for you as well. And really all you're responsible for managing then is the actual virtual desktop elements itself. So what, be it Windows 7, Windows 10, a remote app or other server-based operating system, the applications and the users. Um, so the managed service element, again, takes out all of the underlying pieces that are, are sort of foundational to the environment, but not overly unique or interesting, but do re typically require IT cycles to, to support and to manage on an ongoing basis. And all that gets offloaded to Microsoft in this scenario. And it just allows IT to manage the core elements that are really important to the business, like the actual desktop experience and the user experience. Um, as mentioned, so because this is Azure based, as you deploy and manage VMs, it will sit within your, your traditional Azure subscription. Um, you do have the ability to leverage existing tool sets like System Center Configuration Manager and Intune. So if you do customizations or tailoring that's required, uh, whether you're using you know, DCM, like Desired Configuration Manager, or some of the other elements of, of Config Manager, all of those are still available to you as you, you know, deploy uh, VDI through Windows Virtual Desktop. And then lastly, you have the ability to connect to on-prem resources. So as I mentioned on the previous slide, you know, there's no requirement to move your server infrastructure to Azure to be able to leverage or take advantage of Windows Virtual Desktop. Um, you can, you know, in that hybrid scenario where you have site-to-site -site connectivity between Azure and on-prem, you do have the ability to deploy Windows Virtual Desktop in the cloud and then point back to on-prem resources. Naturally, there are some, some caveats or considerations in that scenario. Um, depending on the application, you may not have that same level of performance you're looking for. You know, for organizations that maybe are running a client server based application, you typically want that client and server to be fairly close to each other. So in that scenario, if you were to play Windows Virtual Desktop in Azure, load the client software for that, that client server app and tie back to an on-prem server application, depending on the nature of the application, it may or may not work, um, you know, as expected or provide that the level of performance that are required. So there absolutely are some scenarios where those application servers were going to want to uh, lift and shift or migrate into Azure just to provide that, that positive end user experience. But a number of other applications, you know, we can continue to run on-prem and run in this hybrid scenario. The benefit being we can deploy Windows Virtual Desktop in a fairly quick fashion, tie back to all of your on-prem existing infrastructure, provide your, your remote users uh, easy access to that infrastructure 
uh, with you know relatively few moving parts that need to be adjusted in order to make the solution work. Microsoft has made an investment in an organization called FS Logics, um, which some of you, if any of you have dealt with VDI in the past, may be familiar with, um, as they've been around for a number of years. Uh, but FS Logics and that acquisition really provides a number of key benefits to Windows Virtual Desktop, um, and really I think allow to or allow WVD to stand out from some of the other competition in this space. The, the specific one that that comes to mind a lot is, is around Profile Container. So one of the challenges that we see with VDI in the past is end user experience, um, specifically around things like office applications have often been a challenge. Um, so traditional VDI, um, you know, we've got two different types of desktops that we can present, persistent or non-persistent desktops. Persistent are basically uh, dedicated virtual machines to a given user. So when a user logs into their VDI session, each and every time they log into the same persistent desktop that's essentially reserved for them which means that all of their user data is immediately accessible. Um, you know, Outlook is running in cache mode and their OST file or, or cache data is immediately accessible to them. Uh, but running persistent desktops can often be an expensive proposition. It really, it often doesn't make sense to deploy individual desktops to, to users because you want to take advantage of, um, you know, not every user is going to be logged in at all times every day. So it typically makes more sense to have a pool of desktops and people can just sort of log into various desktops as they need without having them dedicated to one particular user. And that's called non-persistent. The challenge we face with non-persistent desktops in the past is, as I mentioned, Outlook, um, you know, in a perfect scenario, we typically want Outlook to be cached. Um, so for those of you who are in Office 365, you're probably already aware of this. Uh, for those who might still be running an on-prem exchange environment, um, sort of walk through this very quickly. So when your exchange server is side by side with your Outlook client, Doing a non-cached scenario without look often works incredibly well. Uh, so basically in a non-cached scenario, every time you move from message to message and folder to folder, your Outlook client needs to go and talk to the Exchange server and grab the next piece of information. So as you click down to the next message, Outlook will reach out to the Exchange server, grab the next message contents, and display it to you. When working on your local area network, that works very well um, and, and usually doesn't pose any challenges. For customers who move their organization or their email platform out to Office 365, having to go out to the internet every time you click message to message and folder to folder can often introduce delays. And sometimes this might only be a couple of seconds of time, uh, but if a user is trying to quickly move through their mailbox and click message to message to message, that you know two, three, four second delay each time can definitely impact productivity and cause some end user frustration. And so typically in an Office 365 scenario, we recommend that Outlook run in cached mode which basically creates a local OST file that is a cache of your mailbox, and that allows users to work very quickly, uh, regardless of where they are in relation to their to Office 365. Because they're always working on that local cache, they get a very quick response time as they move message to message and folder to folder. With non-persistent desktops and VDI, that has often been a challenge to, to achieve. Uh, there have been some scenarios in the past where that's been viable, uh, but often what we find is a lot of customers tend to run non-persistent desktops, which means every time a user logs in, Either that Outlook OST file or cache needs to be created on the fly, or they're running in a non-cache uh, non mode and re reaching out to, to the Office 365 server each and every time they click on a message. With FS Logic and their profile container uh, option, what ends up happening in a VDI scenario is the user's profile is actually maintained on a separate VHD file, uh, so separate from the operating system. And as a user logs in, that profile 
uh, VHD gets attached to the VM. So you are able to take advantage of non-persistent desktops as a user can log into a different workstation every day or a different virtual, virtual workstation every day. But because all of their cached local data is on that external VHD drive, that gets attached every time they log in. So they get the benefit of having their, their cache data for Outlook, their cache data for OneDrive, Skype for Business and Teams DAO, Windows Search Database. All that sort of stuff can be maintained on that user profile VHD file. And as a user logs in each day, that just gets attached and provides them instant access to all of that data. And that's a huge differentiator from, from many of the other solutions that we've seen in the past. A couple other things that FSLogix allows us to do is app masking and Java redirection. So app masking allows us to uh, in, build virtual machines, install you know a number of different software products, and then use app masking to basically hide the applications that aren't relevant to a given user. I will say in the Windows Virtual Desktop in, uh, world, this is not our preferred mechanism for applications. We actually can do app attach, where we have external applications, we just plug into the VM that are necessary. But for those organizations who either want to take a legacy gold image that might have applications for five different departments installed on it, or maybe they have applications that for whatever reason just can't be leveraged through app attach, app masking allows you to minimize the number of gold images that you have loaded up with the applications that are required, and then just leverage app masking to hide the applications that aren't relevant to a given user in their, their associated department. So it does make things a whole lot cleaner to, to manage, uh, versus things like sequencing and, and things like that that you often have to do in other scenarios. Uh, the last item is Java redirection. So as many of you are likely aware, Java can be a, a challenge for, for businesses to, to support. As often, there are a number of different applications that require Java, but they all require different versions. Um, so with FXLogix uh, Java redirection, we're able to provide the right version of Java to any given application. So you could have multiple versions of, of Java essentially installed. The ones that aren't in use at the moment get hidden through the app masking process, but you're able to consistently uh, present the correct version of Java to each application on an as-needed basis. So from a, a licensing perspective, um, many customers are already eligible for, for Windows Virtual Desktop uh, from what we see. So for those who've made the transition to, to the Microsoft Cloud, specifically in Office 